Hello, Billy. Welcome. Welcome. Our fifth episode, five weeks in. We're yes. still here. Uh, and we're already huge. <laughs> I suppose we are. We are uh, huge in the west coast of Africa. Shout <laughs> <out to laughs> Whoever that is over there, <laughs> or the person in the MI5 building who seems to tune in every week. Thank you. Or, They're probably the person... spy- they'll be spying on us, making sure that we're be- we're legitimate. Be- you know, legitimate beings. We're not aliens. <laughs> not that we're aware of. You know what? Um, I'm going to pop on to the the analytics right now. And see where our biggest city is, because it goes, it gets quite granular, because uh, mm-hmm. it, it goes down to like the country and like the city and where they are in the city. So I know where everyone is and where everyone lives. <laughs> no wonder uh, they're the MI five. the biggest country is the US. Then it's the UK. Uh, then it's the. What's the name of that island? I keep forgetting the name of it because it is quite a. It's not obscure. It's just Sao Tome and Principe. Thank you, uh, whoever's out there on your little island in Santana, the capital of your nice island. Looks up some pictures. It's lovely. Uh, they also have Mexico, Germany, and India. So it's a good mix. We are Mister Worldwide. Indeed. Uh, so let's get down to the cities. <laughs> which has pinpoint people like, there you are there it's you interesting because I like to every time put an episode up like we get a huge well not a huge surge of numbers it goes we get a surge of numbers and I just find it really interesting to um sort of look up on like someone every week is tuning in on their smart speaker I'd love to know who that is you're using Audible on your smart speaker, and I like that we are currently reverberating through your entire house. So, Billy, how do you just give us some bass? Especially me this week. Mm. Oh, yeah, with your deep voice. I've got a deep voice this week. Well, maybe it doesn't show on the, the microphone, no, I'm not sure. Not. I hope it does, though. Oh, here it is. I was looking at the wrong thing. So, say, the biggest city in the UK that listens to us is Bristol. We get some fans in oh. Bristol. Yes, six people. Thank you, Bristol. I'm a big fan. Then after that is Boise, Idaho. <laughs> For some reason, Idaho. Yeah, is, is it? It's, it's cool. Or is it? Yeah, it's Boise, Idaho, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, then it's Storrington, it's actually genuinely, which is near Brighton. Then it's actually been, quite interesting just to see like who is tuning in. Yeah, it's cool. I really but, like no, it. Just purely on an analytics point of view, just be like, I wonder. If I wonder who who's going to listen to this. Exactly, I was it's way more far-reaching than I expected it to be. To be honest, mm-hmm. I know I was the same. I, I thought it'd be one person in Glasgow, and that would be us. You just testing that out was, this, this yeah. the stream. Yeah, so, I, I genuinely thought that's all it was ever going to be. Same here. So after they have starting then Dallas, Texas, Port Washington, Mexico City, Houston, Houston, Texas. Edison, Springfield, Newark, New Jersey, uh, Palm Coast, Las Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> I hope we're playing the trip. The only person in London <laughs> who 
tunes in every week and I zoom into the map in London. I'm like, oh, who's in London listening to us? That's cool. Boris. Uh, well, this is the funny thing because there's actually someone, there's two people that listen to us in London. There's the person that works at the MI5 because for some reason it's just the red dot appears at the MI5 building. And then there's another one at Westminster. And then when you zoom into it, it's for the Department of Transport. Dog. <laughs> so somewhere <laughs> at the department, <laughs> we're government wide. <laughs> It's funny. Transport ministers like, listening to us. Yeah, because I looked in the buildings. That looks like an important building. So then I looked up on Google and it was near this place called, called St. John's Square or something like that. The Transport for London. Uh, uh, clearly a government building. Originally I thought it was Downing Street because it was pretty close to that. It'd but be funny if it was Boris. I was secretly hoping it was like Downing Street. We were secretly huge. In the government, we're going around the entirety of Westminster. We'll turn into Prime Minister's questions. Did you catch the latest episode this week? My God, we got a I finally understand what Deathloop is. I think it's fair to say, Mister Speaker, this week we're all off to go by Deathloop on the back of this review. That'd be funny. I'd love it. That'd be really, really funny. Anyway, Bill, uh, enough chit-chat. I see... No such thing is enough. What should we start with? Should we start with the news? Or... Yeah, let, let's start with the news. Because it's, it's mostly, it's, cause we said in the past, like, uh, it was predominantly going to be more news-focused, but then... Well, well, I will say, the one thing I actually like about doing this is that it motivates me to play games, like try more games out? I've I've noticed that you have. Yeah, because, well, I don't want to go into the... Because sometimes it's a quiet week on the news, then, you know, nothing really happens. I was like, well, I want to put some effort into playing some games, and it actually does motivate me a bit more to actually try some things out and play some things. Because I, I do like to mm-hmm. c- come in and pop in and talk about something different every week. Also, that... I've, Go straight up say that that's not going to happen all the time. Yeah, in the future, especially. But currently, uh, it's working out quite well. I'm quite enjoying it. That's good. So yeah, yeah. So this week, I'll, it's one, it was one game from each of us this week. I think. Well, technically two. We just came off the Halo Infinite beta there. Uh but it's been a news-heavy week, and I think we should start off with some exciting news. Konami. Is set to revive Metal Gear, Castlevania, and Silent Hill. It's good news. Uh, it's genuinely good news. Especially for those who are like a fan of, like you know, back of you know Konami back in their, you know, their glory days. Metal Gear, Silent Hill, um, Silent Hill in particular. That's exciting because oh, yeah. um, that's been rumored for what how how long now? Oh, a long time. Um, yeah, as being a thing, um, and now. News potentially. Do you think there's any truth in uh, uh, Kojima working with Konami? Oh, again? that's right. So funded I'll, by I'll, Sony on Sound House. I'll read out the original. This is from because I watched the actual podcast live. It's Video Games Chronicle, and they have a podcast called Off the uh, VGC Off the Record. And I happened to just watch that because they teased, "Oh, we've got a big Konami announcement." And I thought that seems interesting, so I actually watched it live. And basically, this is uh. Um, a thingy from their article. Let's find the right one. 
So in the past decade, the company has arguably grown a bigger reputation for its pachinko machines than its premium PC or console releases. However, following a recent restructure to the company's games division earlier this year, Konami is now focusing uh, is now focused on bringing back its biggest brands to the premium game space, which is an interesting point because they, I mean, the last big triple A game they brought out was Microsoft Five. It was. I feel like if they continued on that scale, because I feel like the gaming gaming from in twenty fifteen is very different from gaming now. I think mm-hmm. it feels bigger to me than it was in the past. Especially over like the past couple of years as well, just yeah. obviously like living in pandemic times, people will have picked up people who might have played games back in the day, but then they've like picked it back yeah, up like, again. Um, those who didn't play it, but then obviously thought, well, you know, we're all at home, need something to do, need a hobby. I mean, it was, it was um, the only industry that actually made money out of the pandemic. Well, that and that like, Warhammer, yeah, like streaming as uh, uh, Netflix type stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in terms of like the, the biggest money maker, it was definitely. Gaming. It seems like they're, as it says here, they're getting back into it. The first of these titles will be a new Castlevania game, which source is described as a reimagining of the series, which is currently developed in Japan. Uh, this is this is one of the other rumors that happened in the past. There's much been much speculation that Demon's Soul Studio Bluepoint, which we'll get into later, could be working on a remake of Mirror Sod. However, VGC was told that the series actually being worked on by an external studio, Virtuos, and Virtuos are, uh, I think they're kind of all over the place. It's not just. In Singapore, but basically they do a lot of port jobs, so they ported like Outer Worlds to the Switch and stuff like that. Um, like XCOM 2 and stuff like that. Um, they basically do a lot of ports for to PC and Switch and stuff like that. Mostly mm-hmm. a port studio, but it seems like they're working on a Metal Gear game. Um, yeah, it sees here. They recently worked on Dark Souls Remastered, the Outer Worlds, and the Bioshock Collection for the Switch. And they also worked on Battlefield 1, Uncharted 4, and Horizon Zero Dawn for PC. So they're quite, uh, they're, they're kind of all the place, but this seems to be their first sort of original sort of project. Um, it says here, which is quite interesting, the new project is currently in development and multiple sources suggested it would be centred around Solid 3 Snake Eater rather than the original Solid. Konami also Ooh. tends to release remasters of the original Metal Gear Solid games for modern consoles. I've heard of the larger project. So we already have the remastered collection, which includes 2 and 3, and Peace Walker, but it doesn't include 1. Uh, imagine if they do do a remaster, they'll do the Twin Snakes one, that GameCube one that we own. Yeah. Uh, but the one thing I want is I want to play Metal Gear Solid 4 on something other than a PlayStation 3. I'd love to go yeah. back to that game, but you can only I play it. Not done anything with it. I think it's because it's so like that game is just so <clears throat> tightly connected to the PS3 as a system, as, as architecture and stuff like that, and how things work. Mm-hmm. It would actually take a hell of a lot more work to port that than they probably think it's worth, or at least they used to think it was worth. Because, in my opinion, the fact that there's no PS3 emulators out there and people have managed to get Metal Gear Solid 4 running at 4K60 on a PC emulation of a PS3. If a, like, if a, a group of small people who are doing that in their spare time could manage to do that, I'm sure Konami could manage to port a PS3 game to other platforms. Oh, I would have thought so. I mean, maybe there's two completely different um, types of challenges because obviously those people had to reverse engineer an entire console and make it work. So I don't know. I think it's I think it's possible. 
I just think back then when people wanted that, maybe they just didn't think it was worth the effort. But now they're seeing a lot of success from other companies doing this kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, oh, there's tons. Uh, the Metal Gears are like, if they start remaking, remastering those games, that'll be huge. Um, yeah. Like, like, you know, I see it quite often. Like, people go, like, oh, you know, I really want to get, you know, such and such a remaster or such and such a remake. Um, I mean, let's just take the success of Final Fantasy VII. Um, I know it's been yeah, yeah. Really different games, but, you know, the hype, uh, the hype behind that, that was pretty huge. Um, I think what else was there? Um, what else was remade or re- remastered and was just, just flew off the shelf? There's been tons of the many, well, Demon Souls, obviously, that's a, that's that's one, a big one. Blue yeah. point. Yeah, that was Blue Point. Um, which I absolutely, you know, everyone was kind of going like, "Oh, I would, I would like a Bloodborne two or Dark Souls 4, and then it was like Demon Souls, and it just blew up. Um, and also probably quite a good example actually because it ties in with Metal Gear, not ties in with Metal Gear Four, but it was the same idea that was on PS3. Um, and you, there was nothing else you could play it on. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way that Metal Gear Solid Four is in the same boat. Yeah. And then look at the popularity of that. So I think yeah, we've yeah, yeah. we seen it. Good point. And then, like, you know, obviously we had Silent Hills back uh, way back, you know, going years back now. Um, yeah, 2014, I think. Yep. And then that, the hype behind that as well. And obviously, you know, now that Kojima's off doing uh, his own thing, uh, you don't, you don't, you, you know, it's just been no word of it. It's been, it's been, you know, it's just not a thing. Um, obviously, Konami must be sitting there. I'm just thinking, we're sitting on a wee, you know, money maker here. Oh, they're they're sitting on like uh, a, a <clears throat> absolute gold mine of a property that they own that a ton of people like those, would be willing to pay money for. Those three games um, alone, so Castlevania, uh, Metal Gear Solid, and Silent Hill, um, people will lose their head over it. And speaking of Silent Hill, there's a it says here. Multiple Silent Hill games are currently in development at various external development studios, as per an earlier VGC report back in February. So that I think one of the studios is Bloober Team that made the Medium. Yeah, and I was uh, going to say that that because there was talk of that before the Medium came out. Yeah, that they were actually working on a Silent Hill thing, and then we, you know, when you play a game like the Medium, it has a very strong Silent Hill vibe to it. It almost wouldn't surprise oh, yeah. me if they if they made that just to kind of see right. Okay, we're making this Silent Hill game. Let's make something with the ideas we have for it and see how it goes down. Well, funny, and then learn that, from the mis- bring that up because <clears throat> you know the people that made Until Dawn. Yeah. So apparently, Konami, because the reason why we never really got many games in the last few years is because also they focus more on mobile games, but also Konami were really stringent about not outsourcing anything like they wanted to do everything internally but now they're a bit more relaxed about handing over their properties to external studios and they're actually shopping around to uh, different studios and asking them to do their pitches for their games and the people that made oh. Until Dawn uh, their second what was the name what's the name of that studio Supermassive I'll bring it up right now. Where's the wiki page? Supermassive Games. Their second game in their anthology series, uh, the Dark Pictures anthology, Little Hope, mm-hmm. that started life off as a Silent Hill game. 
All right. So that is essentially the Silent Hill game they were planning on making. Uh, but they turned it into their little anthology thing, the Little Hope it's called. So apparently yeah. what people said when they first played it, like as soon as you play it, like you get the sense of it being a Silent Hill game immediately. It just got those Silent Hill vibes to it. So apparently it started off life off as uh, a Silent Hill game. Um, well, here it's here. In late June 2021, revealed by Notorious Insider, um, that Little Hope was originally a pitch for a Silent Hill game that got rejected by Konami. So they've clearly been shopping around for a while. And that game came out last year, I think. Yeah, uh, Little Hope. No, that was that, that was this year. I'm was sure. Last year. Yeah. Weird you've got sounds. the next. You've got. I think is it. Was it? Was it maybe last year? I remember it coming out. Yeah, it's the 30th, 30th of October, 2020. It says here. Oh, it's the 2020. Oh, Jesus. I remember. I remember it coming out. That that was last year. It feels like it was. It just came out. No, that's Jesus. That that's a year ago. Yeah, because Madame Madan okay. was twenty nineteen, which was August twenty nineteen. Then it says here, Little Hope thirty of October, and the next one, House of Ashes, is twenty second of October this year. That's crazy. Damn. Oh, that's last year. It's just going by too quick. I, it's, I, going to, it's going about too quick. Yeah, that was uh, that's upsetting. I, so, I, yeah. I genuinely thought that was this year. I did as well. I was, that's why I when I saw the day, I was like, "That's not right." Someone's put a fake date in here. Uh, I know. I was the same. I was like, "No, that, that's that's wrong." That was this year. Yeah, I remember that coming out. It was like, like I know. So in that time, there's been like two lockdowns. An entire year has passed. <laughs> I know an entire year has passed. I'm just trying to think. Jesus, like, wow. Okay, that's I know set me back a bit. Yeah, it's uh, upsetting. Just a wee bit. Um, it says here one of the projects was outsourced to a prominent Japanese developer earlier this year, we were told. Um, it's also been said that Konami should publicly showcase its plans at major shows next year. They are originally supposed to do that this year, but it says here, due to timing issues, although it's confirmed a number of key projects are in the work. So if the pandemic didn't happen, we probably would have heard a lot of these projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, Konami Japanese bosses are understood to have historically pushed back against most pitches to outsource its key games brands. Which is a big reason why previous pitches for Silent Hill games, such as the one by Until Dawn Studio Supermassive, weren't greenlit. However, following the, dis- re- the recent disappointment performance of recent in-house titles, Metal Gear Solid Survive and Contra Heart, uh, Rogue Core, BGC sources said that the company has become more willing to contract outside studios for its major franchises. Um, so another thing I heard, so this is one part, this is the VGC, remember? So they didn't hear anything about Kojima, but apparently... This other website, I can't remember which one it is. VG247 or something. I can't remember which one it is. But basically they came out and said they've heard that one of these Japanese studios working on a new Silent Hill as Kojima Productions. Konami, uh, Kojima's behind it. And Sony is funding it. And apparently Kojima uh, enough time has passed that he's actually rekindled the relationship between uh, himself and Konami. See, that's, so that's the thing. If Konami are willing to start outsourcing their titles, um, the first person I would imagine they would go to would be Kojima and be like, right, look. <laughs> We're sorry. Yeah, basically. Because there's, yeah. there's a major restructuring, it sounds like. And we, well, you watched that documentary, not the documentary, but that video about the the meaning behind PT, or the heading meaning behind it. And it got into detail about the restructuring that happened where Kojima was basically on the board, but he was pushed out because... Uh, that one guy who made that mobile game that made like a million dollars a month. 
Yeah. They restructured, pushed him up, and then Kojima was pushed down to, you know, the lower ranks, and that caused a lot of, you know, infighting, which like led to Kojima leaving, obviously. So it seems like this restructuring maybe like, well, that's, that's different in Japan, though, because, like, Konami, the Japanese companies are so tied to family. And that was one of the things they mentioned in that video, was that they didn't like... The Kojima was one of the only people in there that wasn't actually tied to the company in a, a familial way, family way. Yeah. Whereas that person that was brought up, I think he was the son of the the head of Konami, the guy that made Konami. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah. So maybe the Japanese companies are different. So maybe it's I don't know. Maybe the restructuring allowed relationships to rekindle, or maybe the Konami realized their mistake and thought, you know. We're sitting on an absolute gold mine of just amazing IPs here that we're just not using. Let's actually get ourselves together and make some money. So, so that, I don't know if, like, you know, their mo- like the Wii Mobile games would have suffered in the back of the pandemic as well. No, probably not. I don't think yeah. so. It's probably a good thing they're sourcing, judging by the recent release of eFootball. Because they're, get, they're getting rid of their <laughs> rid of their uh, Pez Pro Evolution Soccer branding and they're now turning it into a live service football live game. Live service, free to play. Yep. So they're not releasing annual Pezes anymore. Um, just crazy to think about. No, that was I the know, one franchise that the... Konami kept going. Yeah, it was... Like, and a lot of people prefer Pez over, over the night. Like, yeah. You know, FIFA. Remember back in the PS2 days, it was always... Between Fez and uh, Fez, Pez and uh, Fez. FIFA. A lot of people prefer one still over is. Uh, Yeah, they, every year because Pez would always come out before FIFA. Um, I think that was the case again this year. Um, yep. And then, but sure. everyone would be in looking for a copy of Pez. Um, and be like, oh, it's much better than FIFA. Much better than FIFA. And yeah, every year, every year. Um, and still a lot of people come in, and well, you know they won't be buying it this year, but. Um, they were constantly coming in to buy a copy of Pez. For me, because um, I used to get the play when I back when I used to play like football games on the PS2 days. For me, when I, when I always I never owned a, a Pro Evolution game. I always played the demos in the demo discs, or I played oh, at my yeah. friend's house when they had FIFA and stuff like that. But for me, I I liked the way Pro Evolution played. It played yeah. better, but it didn't have the licenses, which is a big part of playing those football games is like seeing your favorite yeah. players and the, the names like your team. Manchester and, Red and Manchester Blue. Yeah, like, yeah, those weird Glasgow London, Green and Glasgow Blue. <laughs> le, le, Arsenal Gunners or something, whatever they're called. Ar- yeah. Because uh, they couldn't use their real names. It was weird. They had a s- small license to use, I think it was Juventus, I think was That's exclusive right. to... Yeah. Exclusive to Pez, so they haven't been in FIFA. Yeah, it was like some European um, league they had a license to or something like that. But they didn't yeah. have the also the, the FIFA one, obviously. The major one. There's some other exciting news. I'm actually quite excited about this. It seems like it's imminent. Is that the GTA trilogy remaster is reportedly planned for oh, release yeah, in November? Yeah. So this game is usually when a game is on a rating board has been rated, that typically means it's coming out soon because uh, usually you can't rate a game until it's finished because mm-hmm. um, they have to play through it but it says here, well still unannounced this title looks to be sure 
a sure bet after the game was recently rated in Korea. Uh, uh-huh. It says here, on Thursday, South Korea's Game Rating and Administration Committee classified Grand Theft Auto the Trilogy, the definitive edition. Uh, the, classification, uh, the classification follows several reports that the remasters of GTA 3, GTA <clears throat> Vice City, and GTA San Andreas were nearing completion at Rockstar Dundee here in Scotland. Mm. Uh, the studio formerly known as Ruffian Games, who made Crackdown 2. The Ruffian Games that made Crackdown 2? Um, I, I think it was, yeah. yeah. I think they made they make the other Crackdown as well. I can't remember. Uh, in August, Kotaku reported that the plan was to release the remastered games in October or November 2021 for PS4, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X and S, Switch, PC, Stadia and mobile phones. Uh, although it's been Stadia. said that the PC and mobile versions could be delayed as Rockstar are prioritising the main consoles. That's fair PC. enough. Yeah. imagine that's probably where most people will be buying them anyway. Yeah, but it says here a reliable game insider, Tom Henderson, said he had been informed that the remastered trilogy pointed to release in sometime in 2022. But then other sources recently said it's been changed to November and that falls in line with the classification in Korea. So the fact that that's classified is it has gotten a rating in Korea and people have heard rumours. I think it's coming out this year. But I'm wondering how... Like how much work they've put in to this remaster? Is it literally just a simple uprising and you know increasing the frame rate and that's it, or is it like have they gone in and you know changed some textures or worked on like tweaked some of the mechanics? Because that's a little bit rough going back to those uh, earlier games for like you can just aim your gun. It's just a bit finicky. So I'm wondering yeah. if if it's, if it's if it's just going to be a straight up port. Then I don't know, but I have to wait and see because they. I remember they released the uh, GTA San Andreas on the 360, but that was a port of the Android version. And it was missing all this music, and it looked awful. Uh, so I'm hoping it's a bit more than just a simple remaster. Mm. Maybe that some work so as well. Yeah. I'd imagine there would be a like they'd put a wee bit of work into it though. Yeah. It'd be a bit of a shame if it's just like, you know, all this excitement and it's just more, it's just the same thing, just a wee bit shinier. Well, we're seeing what they're doing with GTA 5. That literally looks no different from the original GTA 5. Yeah, no, that's true. I watched <laughs> a, a video on YouTube that analyzed that the trailer. And apparently there was like errors in the trailer that they just didn't remove. Like that Lester guy. Oh, really? Was, yeah, so he was sitting on two chairs. Apparently, <clears> like one of the. The clips was used from like a pre-release version of GTA, where all the license plates were yellow, but in the main game they're not yellow; they're just white. So they're like using a uh. yeah. So it's like weird. The trailer wasn't cut together using remastered footage; it was cut together using old footage. It looked no different uh. from the other <laughs> games. Yeah, I could probably it probably won't be. No, I. It's- Oh, we're all late, but we all believe it, though. We'll be like, this is going to be amazing, it's going to be so good. We'll buy it, we'll play it again, we'll be like, yes! And then you'll remember you're not playing GTA 6. And you'll be no, like... Just release GTA 6 already. Eh. Yep. Give us what we want. Another GTA game. <laughs> That's it. I know. I'm, I'm, I'll see how it, it's quietly delayed into March next year, so maybe they're 
focusing on the, the collection more at the moment. Yeah. I'm not sure. Anywho, another point, another piece of news, which I thought was interesting, which we all knew was going to happen. PlayStation has acquired Demon Souls developer Blue Point Games. Blue Point Point. Yep. And apparently they're working Didn't on original content coming. going forward. How do you feel? How do you oh. feel about that? How do you feel about? Because that that studio is mostly known for taking an old game, reverse engineering it, and like rebuilding or recreating a uh, a game, like Shadow of the Colossus, for example. Yeah, I think, I think they said like, basically the old game is running underneath the new game to keep it all intact. Yeah, there's no feel of it and stuff like that. Uh, the remaster, the best, one of their best remasters was a. Uh, Metal Gear Solid collection, that was really good. I, I really wish they worked on the Smile on Hill one. But, um, so they're a studio mostly known for remasters that are now transitioning into original property. Would you rather they do that or stick to doing what they do best? Um, I'm, I'm quite... I, I, I want to see them do original content because I think what they could release could be really, really good. Mm-hmm. I just feel like it, it is a bit of a... Um, a wee bit of a blow, I suppose, to those who do want these remasters and the and the remakes. Um, everything they do is just so good. Um, yeah, especially it will be a bit of a shame just to see them. I'd imagine this it won't be a permanent thing, right? If they're going to go and do original content, I'd imagine they themselves as well probably you know have ideas for games that they want to go ahead and do. Um, so I think I think it's not a bad thing. I would never say it's a bad thing. Um. It's just obviously if you're wanting a remaster of a game and you want Bluepoint to do it, I wouldn't hold your breath at this point. Because uh, one of the big rumors um, was them working on the original Metal Gear Solid rem- remake. Yeah. Do you think but, like that as well? Would like obviously with you know Sony now owning Bluepoint, they're all going to be Sony exclusives. Um, so I don't know if Sony will have a big part to say um, in what they do. Yeah, that's true. So, like, if, if they're going to do like a remake, is it a remake of, you know, Ape Escape, for example? <laughs> um, so, no, I'm just just throwing that out there. I would like to see a, a remake of Ape Escape, but obviously, you know, PS One, you know, a PS One classic, you know, Blue Point could remake that, and I think it'd be very good. Um, so I I, I don't know what the future holds for them in terms of remakes because it would only be on Sony platforms. Um, but we'll find out. Um, I, I think exclusive content by them though could be really, really good. Yeah, their work on Demon Souls is incredible. Just they're so good. Oh, unbelievable! That that, that Demon Souls game is just one of the best things ever. Yeah, it's just so gorgeous. For a game that's not particularly gorgeous. I know, I know. PS three, it looked awful on there. Oh, look! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, this is just stunning. Oh, that PS5, rather. Well, Bill, I think that's all the news I fancy covering. Is there anything else that you've heard? I've not heard anything, no. Um, pretty much all the stuff I've heard is what you have. Yeah, it's like in terms uh, of like major news, there's nothing really... The new it, MMO it, launched this week, that new world. It seems to be doing well. That new world. It's doing very well, um, both player base and streaming. Um, yeah, it's, there's, it's a lot crazy. Of people, there's, there's a lot of people like behind it. I, I've personally not checked anything out yet. Um, it's the kind oh, yeah, of thing yeah. though that it, it looks like. Yeah, 
Um, it looks really, really good, but it's the kind of thing, though, that you're going to end up playing it for, like, if you get into it, you're going to be sitting there for about seven hours a night. Um, you'd be like, this is amazing, this is amazing. You lose your life, you'll then just go into this hole of... I can think of nothing but this one game, mm-hmm. and then just get sucked right into it. When you're not playing it, you're watching Twitch streams. Um, your family leaves you. Partners leave you. <laughs> you lose your house. I mean, I laugh. Co- that, that literally happened to some. I don't know him, but it's on a podcast I listen to. Like you could actually. It's funny. Well, it's not funny, but like I went back to listen to some old episodes, and going back, you can actually like hear the progress of his marriage falling apart. <laughs> because of uh, it's an old back in the 360 games because he was obsessed with achievements and stuff like that yeah. so his marriage just sort of fell apart it was, it was quite sad there's one big bit of news that I was going to talk about completely forgot so we know the Switch OLED is out this week mm-hmm. this Friday next Friday it's October 8th October 8th yep so apparently Bloomberg claims a 4K Switch Pro is still planned for late 2022. I genuinely think that's going to... that. Like, it does not surprise me that. Um, it's... like to, to me, I think eventually the OLED will be your base model. So that yeah. you'll just start seeing the old... So like the better battery life uh, switch will just start getting phased out. A lot of the and rumors then the, is that the OLED switch originally started out as the Switch Pro. But because of the chip shortages, they said, well, we've bought all these screens and we can't get enough chips for this. It's not like native 4K, it's like sort of an upscaling type 4K they're plan- they were planning on doing. So a lot of the theory, the theory going around is that basically they, they couldn't get the chips, but they have all the screens. So they thought, well, let's, let's, why not throw the screens on the older Switch and just sell that for now? Yeah. And then this Switch Pro thing, which apparently it says here, Bloomberg claims at least 11 companies, including Zynga, have software software toolkits provided by Nintendo that feature support for 4K graphics. The article claims that by the time Nintendo had officially revealed the Switch OLED in July, it had already been handed out 4K development kits to third-party studios and asked them to start making 4K-supported games. It also claims that Nintendo still plans to release an enhanced 4K-supported Switch Pro, planned for late 2022, the earliest. But, so that went around. And in a really rare occurrence, Nintendo came out on Twitter. And it's not like they're fun... Nintendo can is like public facing for PR or like new game releases. This is like the Japanese account. This is like the official Nintendo account for like business stuff. Um, which is not often that not often happens. Like the Japanese come out and you know, uh, Nintendo Japan comes out and says things. It says here, Nintendo's Japanese arm promptly took to Twitter and publicly denied the report. The company's official Japanese corporate account, a corporate account of all things posted a tweet just three hours after the article's publication claiming it was false. It says here, quote, A news report on September 30, 21 falsely claims that the Switch that Nintendo is supplying tools to drive game development for us. Nintendo Switch for 4K support, it read. To ensure correct understanding among our investors and customers, we want to clarify that this report is not true. We also want to restate that, as announced in July, we have no plans for any new model other than the Nintendo Switch OLED model, which will launch on October 8th, 2021. So, I they're think they're laughing. Lying. <laughs> yep. Yeah, like just because they're saying it doesn't mean I mean they are obviously working on something. It's not like they're not working on anything. Whether or not there's kits out there, but the fact that I think the Bloom Bloomberg article 
independently sourced 11 separate studios. So that's 11 separate people have said that they have it, which is a, a you know, a, a lot of sources to back up that claim. Just a couple? Yeah, it's certainly a lot. Um, it says here, but a Zynga spokesperson told Bloomberg to clarify Zynga does not have a 4K development kit for Nintendo. So now Zynga is saying they don't have one, even though it says here, Bloomberg reports includes information from Zynga employees who were asked to not be identified. But then the official mm. company account came out and said, we don't have anything. So maybe Nintendo said, because they were directly mentioned in the report, maybe Nintendo got in contact says, can you please say that we're we don't have anything like this in development? I think it exists. Mm. I mean, a, a pay- I one think of the, it exists. One of the news pieces that came out was a patent released, uh, leaked out, saying that, I don't know where I can find this story. Um, basically, to summarise it, a patent release saying that Nintendo tried to patent a AI upscaling technique. Oh, here it is. Newly published Nintendo patent Nintendo patent shows plans for DLSS-style AI upscaling. Uh, hmm. The two patents, the patents which originally filed in March 2020, were published on Thursday, detailing systems and methods for machine-learned image con- conversion. Uh, so it says here, it includes a telegram, a diagram with the patent, which shows a 540p image being upscaled to 1080p. It does, however, mention that the upscaling processes include f- up- upscaling to 4K. Um, I think it also mentions something about NVIDIA as well. Uh, but yeah, it's happening. It exists. They're just, they just don't want to cannibalize the sales of the OLED switch. The switch OLED. Yeah. Which is interesting is that- timing that that came out just before. Because if you know that there's a switch OLED coming out, or sorry, a switch pro coming out, realistically, you're going to be like, oh, I'll just wait for that. Yeah. I mean, it will. I, I, I would. Well, I had the Switch OLED pre-ordered, an emphasis on the had. I decided to change my yeah. mind. Uh, not because of the Switch Pro, it was mostly because I, even when I had, before I sold my normal Switch, I barely played it as it is anyway. Yeah. Uh, I just couldn't justify the £300 just to play something that I, buy something that I probably wouldn't even play with anyway. Plus my mm-hmm. other justification was like this month alone there's a lot of games out yeah. that I would rather spend time on. Um, so that next week or we get re- uh, Alan Wake remastered and we've got We're very exciting for that. Far Cry 6 also one of the other games is Metroid Dread and Metroid after that Dread. I get Back for Blood I must forget about Back for Blood. Yep. Yeah, The Good Life. Which is a very weird game. I played the demo of that. I'm also in the credits of it. If you want to check that out. Oh. We've got Guardians of the Galaxy. Age of Empires 4. So, and then you also go into November where you've got the Call of Duty 4 to 5, Skyrim Anniversary Edition, all that stuff. Uh, and Walker. So, just I mean, a lot we all of- know we're just. We're just killing time until the anniversary edition of Skyrim, right? We're, we're all in the same boat here. <laughs> yeah. right. I mean, I probably will buy it. That's the thing. I'll, I'll probably I know, buy the upgrade for it on the, the Xbox. No, no, because we'll, we'll all sit here and we'll be like, oh, I can't believe the re-release there again. Comes out. Please take my money. Um, I want my anniversary edition. <laughs> I downloaded uh, 
special edition again and played it for a bit. I know I've got it set. I'm trying to avoid. I know I'm trying to avoid going on to it purely for the. Yeah, I know. Um, I just I I know what's going to happen is that I'll start I'll start playing it. I'll be like, this is amazing. I'll just sit and play nothing but Skyrim, and then the anniversary comes out, and you'll be like, oh man, I'm going to play that, and then you're just that's just another. You start again on Skyrim, and you just do you just play through the story again, and you'll be happy about it because you're playing more Skyrim. But then you'll find new side quests to do that you yep. won't have got from your original playthrough, and you'll be like, wow, all this Skyrim I've just played, worth it, hundreds of hours. Next thing you know, it's like June next year, and you're like, oops, that because you played all that Skyrim year with Fallout Four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Though uh, not quite on the same scale, thankfully. No. <laughs> you can put down Fallout 4, you can't put down Skyrim. You have to commit. Yeah. Or no, you don't have to commit. You, you you just commit of your own free will. Exactly. Right. Well, Bill, that was the news. Quite a, quite a lot this week. It was quite a, a busy week. Yeah, yeah, well, it was indeed. So we're moving on to Thank the... You. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say it was the Konami show. <laughs> yeah, it really was actually quite exciting. I, I really want another Silent Hill. So hopefully, oh, it's completely forgot to tell you this story. Mm. Usually we tell our little stories at the start of the show, but obviously, well, we got that out of the way privately. Plus, it wasn't really addressing anyway. But mm. I have another eBay story. Oh, so I decided to sell Danganronpa three. Which I have on the Vita. So I put it up. I think because when you put up a a thing on eBay, it gives you a recommended starting price based on what other people put up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was like it was like twenty six pounds or something. So I thought, all right, I'll put it up for twenty six. For like a good week, you got the occasional bid. So it went from twenty six to twenty eight, then it went to thirty, then it hovered around thirty for a while. Then, like uh, the day before, it hovered around 32, 34. So I went in thinking, I'll probably get a good 50 quid for this. Sort of judging by the way the bids are going, there's not a lot of interest. There's just like a couple of people who are going back and forth on these two pound bids. And then cut to the night of the auction ending, and my phone blew up. <laughs> uh,. It went from 32, 34, 40, 50, 65, 70, oh, 80, 90. So is this Romper 2? 3. 3. Because you had that on the Vita. Yes. It <clears> sold <throat> for £150. Oh, bloody hell. Yeah. So I thought it was an error. <laughs> I thought someone's just, you know, fake betting or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So I went on, like, a bunch of websites and looked up Danganronpa 3. Went on, like, how much it was worth, and it came out. It was only worth, like, 23 quid. I thought, why? Who would pay this much money for the for Danganronpa 3? But then it turns out I was looking at the wrong version. I was looking at the PS4 version. So the PS4 oh, yeah, version... the PS4 version will be worth, like, 23 quid. Yeah, because it's so common. The Vita version is so rare. Even CEX are selling it for like, £145. yeah. Uh, it's a rare version of that game, which I didn't realise. 
So I just went in thinking this was actually 50 quid. Then I ended up getting 150 pounds for it. Which is crazy. Couldn't believe it. Oh yeah, no, it's even Danganronpa one and two on the Vita are worth quite a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, not as much as three though. It seems no, no three seems to be where because like three was very much a console based one, like on the PS4. Yeah, the the Vita version of that game was rough. Like you have to download like a three gig file for voices and stuff. Like they couldn't fit. They couldn't fit uh, on the cartridge. Yeah. But it blew me away. I was not expecting that to happen. I just fully really went in thinking I'll get a cool 50 quid for it. But no, it was 150. That was crazy. Um, so I looked at the person who bought it and she is clearly a big collector. Oh. I went in her uh, feedback and her buying history and the names of the, the people she bought from. She's clearly building up a Vita collection at the moment. Uh, Spending a lot of money on it, I bet. Yeah. She needs to be from a very fancy area, so she must have plenty of money to buy a £150 Vita game. <laughs> Just crazy. It's ridiculous how much that's worth. That's crazy. Makes you wonder what else is, you know, um, what other Vita games are worth now. Well, I had a look. I mean, that was my most expensive one. Uh, my most valuable one, rather. <coughs> uh, yeah. Even, like... Persona 4 Golden, get a good 50 quid for that. Another one that I did not expect, Silent Hill Book of Memories. Oh really, is that worth a lot? Quite, yeah, you can get a good bit of money for that. I can believe that, I don't think many people would have. Yeah, it's one of those games that Wait. when people heard what it is, it's like a dungeon crawler, people are like, no, I'm not buying that. Yeah. So then, you know, there's not a lot out there. Uh, they just stopped making them. I still occasionally think about that game. I actually quite liked it. Yeah, it's, it's not a it's not a bad little game. Um, oh, I, I don't think it was bad at all. Yeah, obviously, uh, some of the Zero Escape games are worth a bit. Uh, Persona Four Dancing All Night, another one. So I thought, but um, I thought, no, I'm not selling them because I really do like. I want to play through some of those games. But yeah, it's uh. I think a lot of it has to do with the pandemic as well, because I feel like collection, game collection, really went up. Yeah. Uh, back when the pandemic started. Now it's just exploded. Well, everything's a collector's item. Like NFTs and all that nonsense. Anywho. That's crazy. That's yeah, unbelievable. It was, huh. was wild. Mm. So that's... Uh, and that would have funded half the Switch. And the other half, I've I know, like from. one Vita game is worth <laughs> it. It's worth half of an OLED Switch. I know, it's crazy. So I thought that's why I thought I'm going to just go and get the Switch now, but then I was like, mm. I'd rather keep that 150 for like three more games that I will definitely play rather than yeah. a system that I won't touch as much. I will get it eventually, maybe around. Well, I'm debating where to get that or. Save my money for the Steam Deck that I ordered. Uh, I pre-ordered that. I'd go Steam Deck. Yeah, the way the, the lot of stuff that's coming out with the Steam Deck is quite exciting. Um, a lot of the stuff they're doing there, so I think I might just go with the Steam Deck. I like the idea of a little handheld gaming PC, but yeah, OLED. I do love that OLED. So the Switch Deck, and an OLED screen will be really good. It's really nice. I've watched a lot of videos and it's, it looks excellent. <coughs> oh, excuse me. So maybe the next Steam Deck will be better. But, um, 
Right, let's move on to games we played. Bill, who should start? Um, I'll start because I don't have a lot to say. Um, you taking so, on a new job recently? I, yes, I have. <laughs> In the virtual world, um, driving a bus, bus simulator 21, that's when everyone tunes out. <laughs> Sorry, MI5 agent. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so, bus sim 21. It's actually genuinely very, very good. Um, so we, we have the... Which one do we have be bought before this one? Was it 2020? Bus, um, I think it's 19. 19. I want to say. Because um, I don't know if they did a bus in 2020. I want to say no. Not 100% not. sure. Um, but yeah. Um, imagine you're playing bus them. That's it. Um, it's, it's pretty much the exact same. So you start off, you know, you're like, you you go to this place and you're like, oh, we need to design a a bus route for for this area, um, and you're the one who's going to be the head of the company. Um, and you 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 know you, you do the usual stuff. You get a bus. You have to plan your routes. You um, bring customers on and off. Um, it, it, it's bus sim. It, it's just the exa- a carbon copy of it, just in a different area. Like how is it? Because obviously, I think the twenty nineteen one was just a one X version. But is this like a Series X version as well? Or no, is it... it's still an, it's just an Xbox One version. There's oh, no okay. Series X upgrade. Um, it just play. It, it looked it, better. It, though. It, it, look, it looks very nice, especially in the bus cabin. It's like very fancy. Like this is quite nice in here. Um, feels like you know very feels very lifelike. I've never driven a bus before in my life. I wouldn't be able to know what a bus feels like to drive, but. <laughs> I've had many crashes, so I feel like that's probably quite realistic to actual bus drive. I, I, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, it's more clipping a, clipping a curb. Um, you'll occasionally hit one, you're like, oh, whoops. Um, and then you can run over people, and that charges you like 20,000 in insurance claims. Um, you're like, oh, wow. That's, that's eating into my savings. Um, but yeah, that, I haven't played tons of it it's just a good kind of like you know that way i want to say it's a good way to just kind of like shut off and play but at the same time it isn't because you have to do well i say you have to do maths all your maths is done in front of you um it'll be like you have to you know your customer's giving you 20 dollars change and you're going to need to give them a three pound 18 change um it's just that um and then you'd go you plan your routes you design them tutorial bit um that's pretty much where I am still. I've only put in like right. two or three hours into it. Um, so I've not put in tons of time. So it's just very much like, right, okay, this is how you do your route. This is how you set, you, you know, you can buy like, you know, multiple buses and then you send more people out on that route. So you've got people going all the time, but then you can plan different routes. So you've got peak times, whether it be during the day or at night. Um, and that you, you know, but the more you drive, the more like stuff you get to be able to work out. Right, okay, so this route during peak time, um, is you know like, you, this stop, this stop, this stop is popular during peak time. Therefore, I'll drive that at night. Um, obviously, there's no point doing it during the day. You won't make less money. Um, so it's wee things like that is actually really really good. Um. Oh, what was it? I just had something in my head there, and I was like, "Oh, that was another thing that was quite cool about it." And I can't for the life of me remember what it is now. Um, 
No, it has gone. Um, I can't. Can I, was the twenty? Did the twenty nineteen one have like ads and stuff in it where you had to go and? Um, yeah, you go to like an ad. You go to like your, you customize your bus, and then you can have an ad on the side and stuff. So people, you get like a thousand dollars to. Uh, to I don't advertise. think so. I don't remember that. I, I think that's a new thing. I don't remember seeing um, ads on buses in that game. I, I don't remember it version. either. Yeah, I don't remember it either. So you can there's wee business ads that you can do. Uh, you can design routes. Um, it's very much just bus sim. Um, like it's, it's, it's exactly how you think it is um, from start to finish. But it's nice to just sit and play. It's just a bit kind of like a and shut down other than the you have to think about you know, money. Um, yeah. So be like, oh, you know, customer wants a senior ticket. He wants it on. <laughs> he wants a one way. Um, he wants one ticket that he gives you twenty dollars. You need to give him three pound eighty and change. So you need to try and then work out. Well, I say try and work out, but you just need to like, right, okay, so two dollars, one dollar fifty. <laughs> um, just to that, that's the only thinking you really need to do. Other than that, it's just drive. Um, plus, you can. You could just randomly jump on a bus, so you could design routes and be like, right, okay, so I've got this bus on route one. Jump on it, and then there's someone driving it, going like, oh, do you want to go check the tickets? And I was like, yes, finally, I'm going to be the conductor. <laughs> um, so it's it's things that, and it's got like it's co-op playing stuff like that as well. Yeah, the co-op the co-op um, stuff is really cool in 2019. Yeah, but you can steal each other's buses and stuff. Yeah. It's, it is good. Um, but there's like a whole level up thing as well. Um, oh, which I haven't new. really done too much of, but you can level up bus stops, um, and the more you level them up, the more you can frequent that bus stop on routes. Oh. So you can there's a couple of bus stops. It'll be like right, okay, so zero two, so that means you can have two routes going through that one bus stop. But once you've got two going through it, you can't then do a third. So you then you if you're designing a route, you have to be like right, I need to find an alternative way around this one to still hit up. That like you get objectives, but there's like a wee main story to it. Um, at least in the tutorial bit, which is quite cool. Um, so that you, you you level up these, you level up bus stops. Um, so the more you go to it, the more, um, like the more you go to that bus stop, the more it levels up. Um, and then the more you drive a route, the more accurate the drivers become. So if you design a route, drive around it once, it'll be like right, okay. So an NPC driver will be seventy five percent accurate on this route. And then if you drive through it again, the NPC driver will be 91% accurate on this route. If I so was hiring someone, I'd uh, hope to be 100% at all times. <laughs> when driving you'd hope route. so. You'd <laughs> hope so, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's um, funny. But um, because video game, um, yeah, uh, they're, they're only like... Video game it in some yeah, way. They have to video game it in some way and they have to yeah. make you drive. So by driving, you basically level up your NPC characters to make them more accurate. Um... I know, like from what I've played so far, it's actually it's, it's decent. It's, it, I, I quite like it. It's a wee bit fiddly with some things. Like try to lower a ramp. It's quite fiddly. Um, like everything's on the left button on the D pad. It's like this big circle. That's like this big wheel of emotion, but it's like a wheel of function. Ooh, wheel of emotion. Wheel of emotion. I wish. Able to, baby. Um, and the way the character runs in the game as well makes it look like he really needs to poo. <laughs> um. But other than that, there's like, you know, it, it's a decent Wii game. It's good just to throw on when you're just kind of like, oh, I'm tired, I can't really be bothered doing much. I'll throw on bus sim. It's so good when for that. You're, when you're driving your buses, did you listen to anything? 
Let's do I the listen actually... to listen to this. <laughs> I didn't know. That's incredibly loud. Oh. <laughs> Just that on loop. <laughs> <laughs> Listening to Jeremy Clarkson on the radio. On loop. Just that I need to one upgrade our soundboard. Uh, I really want to make a Dan Riker esque soundboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. his soundboards are amazing. Yeah, I watched his dad, him and his dad play Breath of the Wild last night. Oh, as I saw it come up, but I was yeah, it was very half, late. But yeah, it was I was half asleep. I didn't watch all of it, but it was just funny of them running around uh, Hyrule and then just a loud reverb fart plays. <laughs> Burp. But is that bu- is that bus simulator bell? That's bus sim. That's bus sim in a nutshell. If you like a game that's sort of something in the background, um, don't need to think too much. A wee bit, a wee bit of thinking. Um, as as a good throw on in the background. Yeah, um, it seems like a good al- album game or podcast game or whatever. Uh, yeah, if uh, if you've got you you know like you said you've got a couple of albums to listen to. Um, put on that. Just zone out. Drive around on your bus. Design routes. Mate, buddy. Yeah. Crash bus. Profit. Pretty much it. Profit. Yep. Buy a new bus. Crash that bus. So it's no profit. Yeah, exactly. No profit. Go bust. Start a new game. <laughs> well, we have been playing another game that we just came off of before <clears> we hopped on here. You played Heal Infinite for the first time properly. Yes, finally. What do you think? Um, it's Halo. Um, it's yeah, good. No, it's good. It's it's really good. Yeah. Um, it's it's definitely the first time in a long time where you're like, ooh, Halo, Halo. Yeah. Um, which I was is not expecting good. That. Yeah. Because um, I, I, you know, this sort of thing is like it had to be. It has to be good. Um, you know, it's they can't really just half-ass this one. Um, not that they ever did half-ass Halo. It just but never really reached the heights of the Bungie ones for me. No, no. Um, and it might actually feel like that might be the one. Um, it does. They've obviously sunk a lot of time into it, at least the multiplayer side of it, as far as we know. Um, we don't, obviously we haven't seen much of the, the single player yet, um, or the campaign. Uh, but judging from the multiplayer, that's that's good to go. Because we played Big Team Battle, but the last time I talked about this, it was only the social stuff that was available, which is 4v4. But like yeah. getting into a proper Big Team Battle, it was just like classic It's Halo. classic Halo. Yeah, Avic, where you've got... People and ghosts and mongooses. There's people, warhogs. Um, mongoose. Warhogs, people flying yeah. ar- uh, People flying around the map. Um, just on the, those wee launch pads. It, it, it's classic Halo. It, it really is. It really brings... A- yeah, it, it, it's, it's good, and it's really good. Plays really well, too. Yeah, it feels it's really smooth. Yep. Uh, aiming down sight is... Again, it's very Halo-esque. Yeah, it, it yeah. Looks, it's, not, it's not like your COD aim down sights, but it's like... No, because that's what they were going for in Halo 5, was yeah, kind of more of like a right. Call of Duty-esque type thing, and it was... It just didn't really work out for them. Yeah, um, I agree. It was like the, the 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 game was fun to play, but it wasn't Halo. It was just Call of Duty in space. 
Yeah, I really didn't like the multiplayer in five at all. Uh, I fell off that. I think we played. For some reason, I have a vivid memory of us <laughs> playing that, and you tell me a story about children need. Uh, about this children need thing that that happened where about a child in a cupboard or something like that. <laughs> something really dark. Oh God, for some I, reason, I, 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 I can't remember that one. And I'm yeah. you're <laughs> you kind of like maybe that's a good thing. Yeah, it was, it was a really. I remember you saying it was like they should have shown this on TV. It was quite uh, traumatic. For some reason, yeah. that was just that memory always stuck with me with Halo Five multiplayer. I think it was Warzone we were playing or something. Uh, and that was like I must have, must have been watching something hit um, children in need related at the time, and I was just being like, "Why would you show this?" Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. distressing. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Um, yeah, and I think that was the last time I played Halo, where we played Halo multiplayer. We didn't go back to the Halo Five multiplayer, rather. We didn't go back uh, to Halo Five until early last year <laughs> to play through the campaign. Which I really ended up enjoying, but this this game feels better. Like as you, I think you you made a good point there about the aim down sights. Like it's a Halo aim down sights. It's not your typical COD or Battlefield aim down sights. Like, yeah, it exists, but it's not. It's like a, it complements the the free aim in a good way. Mm-hmm. Like you can get by by not aiming down sights and that. Like I've gotten plenty of kills with rifles without aiming down sights. Um, the thing that. Um stuck out with me as well as how good the hip fire was as well the hip fire that's the word yeah the hip fire is excellent yeah, yeah that's really good um so it, it keeps the flow of the match going really really well because you know that way when you're playing college you're saying you fast 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 look down sight slow 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 slow, slow and yeah. then back into fast again that's just kind of obviously it's college it's going to put a, a wee bit more of a realistic thing than what halo could go for that's um, a good point. That's a really solid point. Because when you are aiming down sights in COD, like also your character slows down uh, and you're caught in this, you know, really quick two shots, you're dead kind of battle. Whereas in like Halo, you can have multiple people in a skirmish of like three or four people. You're jumping all over the place. There's people aiming down sights, there's people free aiming, there's people throwing grenades. And it feels just as quick whether you're not or you're aiming down sights or not. So that's, that's a good point, actually. Like it really does. The flow of Halo is there. Yeah, it feels much better than Five. The flow, the flow is different this time. It feels like the older Halos. But you can sprint now, so it's a bit faster. Yeah, which was good. Is that it was always the thing that I kind of missed like, when you were playing like old school Halo. Um, like Halo Three was like the fact that you couldn't sprint. Yeah, it was weird going back to that and not being able to sprint. Yeah, because was it Halo Four that they introduced sprinting? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like playing Halo 3 is a bit kind of like, oh, this is a wee bit weird. Yeah, it is weird. I love Halo 3 though, but it's coming from, especially something like COD, where it's just so fast paced. Or yeah. like Cold War, especially. Oh, really yeah, yeah. Back to it. But they found a really good balance of, like, a lot of the time I don't sprint in Halo. Uh, no, no, I don't like. Know, I, you move at a decent speed anyway. Yeah, exactly. You move at a decent speed when you're not sprinting, then whenever I hear there's a bit of a commotion going on, that's when I typically sprint. Because they do have, you have you, there's a compromise for sprinting where you're on the radar and stuff like that. Yeah. So there's a benefit to not sprinting. But when it's like <clears> a big team battle, it's like, well, who cares where you are? Everyone wants yeah. to fight everyone anyway. Um, Especially in like, you know, the, was it, uh, Slayer as well. Yeah, exactly. That play mode was just like getting there. <laughs> yeah. Still hanging around, just go for it. Yeah, it was good. It's good. It feels good. I'm excited to 
for the the final release, and it's free to play as well, which is exciting. Yeah, a lot of people hop on that. It's the only of the three big shooters out this year. Well, it's also coming out the latest, to be fair, with December eighth, which is just a long time after well, it's a month, but December still feels a long way away, even though it's only like eight weeks away. Um, so I hate like Battlefield and COD have got about a good month ahead of uh, Halo, but I think I still think Halo will be my default sort of multiplayer game that I occasionally throw on. Uh, yeah, I think I think mine will probably be the same. I'm still going to pick up COD. I'm in two minds about um, two minds about Battlefield though. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably pick up COD as well for the, the campaign mostly. See, the beauty of Battlefield though is that you, if um, you've got EA access or EA players as oh, now, you'll get that's right. Uh, 10, yeah. oh, I forgot about that. That's get ten number. hours of ten hours ten hours access. Well, at least we'll that, we'll give ten hours of Battlefield twenty forty two a shot then. Yeah. Um, and then that gives you enough time to decide, you know what? That was decent. I'll buy that. Or, you know what? I've played that. I'm not play- I'm not buying it. I'll wait till it goes like, you know, permanently on EA Play. That's a really good point actually. I never even thought of that. Like, that's a that's a good amount of time to like judge whether or not you'd buy that. Yeah, no, it's, it's decent because I've done that with FIFA. I downloaded it, um, played a match, it crashed. And I was like, okay, I'm not playing that again. Delete. Uh, <laughs> um, I might try again later, but it's, it's FIFA. I think the... Um, hold on, isn't the beta for Battlefield 2042 out soon? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Do you know the date of that? Or? Uh, not off the top of my head, no. I'll have a look right now. 2042 beta release date. Oh. Uh... Here it is, Battlefield 2042 will debut globally on November 19th. Ahead of its launch, the developers have announced that the game will be available in open beta on October 8th and 9th, with early oh. access starting on 6th and 7th for the people who have pre-ordered the game. So this week, yeah, coming up, there you go. You can preload up on the 5th. There you go. I wonder if, do you, I wonder if uh, Game Pass Ultimate is included in that. Do you think Game Pass Ultimate people get early access? Well, early access. It. Yeah, it doesn't mention possibly, it. Either. Possibly not. They'll probably only give it to those who are paying paying for it. Yeah, I'm not seeing anything here about uh, Game Pass. Oh, here it is. No, no. Uh, however, players who have pre-ordered the game or have an EA Play subscription, which is including Game no, Pass, will yep. get early access to the open beta on the 6th and 7th. So, oh, yeah, there you go. I'll go ask good. I'll play that on uh, in four days' time then. Yeah. We'll Exciting. probably won't talk about it next week, but we'll probably talk about it the week after. Sounds good. What are we be talking about? Oh, Halo. That's what we're talking about. Somehow we got Halo. onto the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I think we'll wrap up the Halo talk. Uh, unless you have anything else to add? No, no. I've got nothing else to add. I just, well, I, just, I want the campaign to be good. I hope it is. Uh, yeah, I think it will be. I think it will be. They've spent a lot of time over this. It's different this time as well. It's like an open world type thing with dynamic, like a dynamic time of day and weather. And there's like weather systems across the whole Halo ring as well. Yeah. So it's definitely different. So I'm curious what Halo Infinite will play like compared to the older ones. Because the other ones are based on levels and are quite linear. Then you occasionally have the big open areas. 
um, which is very prominent in Halo 3, but when you have the whole game as a whole, no, who's your open area? It, um, it just makes me wonder how it'll be. Right. No, I'm curious as well. Yeah. I'll give it, I'll, I'll say I said that I probably wouldn't play it because it's not a co-op at launch, but I think based off playing that multiplayer beta has made me like I'm willing to give it a shot in single player now. Instead yeah. of waiting for the co-op release in March next year or whatever. So I'll give it a bash. That right. Sounds good. Indeed. Okay. Bell. Yes. Moving on to another game. I wonder which one. Outer Wilds. Echoes <laughs> of the Eye. Echo, Echo. Right. So I have to say that <laughs> we're over an hour in. I'm going to be honest, I can't talk about it. <laughs> uh, the way I like to describe this is like it's the greatest game ever made that no one can talk about. Uh, uh, because if you start talking about it, you're going to spoil it. Yeah, literally. Yeah. I'll get into why. For for the DLC and the base game as well, for those who haven't played either. But um, yeah, for maybe people that don't know, which I think we should, as a side note, but at some point we have to re-record our trailer uh, so people get an idea of who we are as, as like people who play games. Because currently it's like a 30 second awful ad. Uh, <laughs> Something so that thinking, suffice. <laughs> for now. But I was thinking we could do like a 15 minute thing where we uh, talk about like our favourite system and our favourite game or whatever or something like that. So I'll just give an introduction, like a background of our like, gaming history. Because it's a bit hard to get that across on the trailer that we have already. So it's not really, it's not really <laughs> doing a good job of bringing people in. No. Um, so maybe we'll do that at some point. Okay. Outer Wilds. It's my favorite game of all time. It's official. I'll say that in the trailer as well. We'll never do that. So they've released an expansion, as they call it, called Echoes of the Eye. It's the only one they're really ever releasing for this. This is the last piece of content. Which, the fact that there's even a piece of content out for it, additional content, is amazing in itself, because I wasn't expecting that. But, they say this is DLC, and an expansion, which put me in a different mindset when I loaded it up. So I assumed it was just going to be a little side piece thing that wouldn't be major in any way, or contribute to the story in a major way or whatever. But this like this DLC, this Echoes of the Eye, took me about fifty hours. Oh, geez, that long? Yeah. Sorry, Bell. Can you turn down the volume of your headset a little bit? Mm-hmm. So I can hear myself back. Oh, okay, sorry. Uh, no worries, it's fine. I just noticed it there. How's that sound? Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Burr, burr, burr. Are, you still hearing, are you still hearing yourself back? No. Okay. Perfect. Okay. <clears throat> what was I saying? Uh, uh, oh, God, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. No the DLC, <laughs> uh, 15 hours, that was it. Um, which I was not expecting at all. Uh, I went in, as I said, thinking this was just going to be a little sort of side thing that would take about three or five hours maybe not even the 15 it took me you probably could do it 
in a short space of time. Sorry, I'm still coming through, Bill. Can you turn it down again? Mm-hmm. Turn it down to a level where you can still hear me. Mm-hmm. Right. How's that? Yeah, too no, quiet? that's fine. Oh, no. Cool. That's much better. I'll cut all that out. Uh, so yeah, 15 hours. <clears throat> As I said, expecting to just to be a little side thing that would not not be insignificant anyway, but just like a nice little addition to the game. But this game, this entire thing, it could easily be its own standalone game. It's in terms of mechanics of how you progress through the story and how you traverse through this new area is completely different from the main game. Right. It's like a whole new game. It's basically a sequel in DLC form. It's absolutely insane. And it took me ages, because I, I made, for some reason, I was stupid enough to think, oh, they'll just, you know, that is an option in the main menu to jump right into it. Uh, or it's easy to find. Turns out it's not easy to find, that you have to put effort into find the DLC, which is a very Arrow Wells thing. Yeah. Um, so that, that took me about maybe half an hour to find out where it was. Oh. Or realize what it was doing. Yeah, because you don't really, it doesn't tell you anything when you load up the game. You don't get told anything. There's no hand holding or, you know, HUD element to say, go here. It's just, I went out there and noticed something that wasn't there before. That's all I'll say. Oh. Um, yeah, I, w- I won't say what it is. Um, could be one of these things that that's hard to talk about just because of you know how much it can be spoiled. Yeah, they're, they're really Arrow Wells is a game where even in this DLC that everything that you see has a meaning is not there for no reason. Everything has a purpose, mm-hmm. and you just don't understand what that purpose is straight away. You'll eventually learn why that thing is, is significant, um, which is really cool. But yes, it's something you don't see in the main game. So my my advice would be if you are planning on playing this, like you can do the bundle. There is a bundle. Yeah. Um, so the expedition edition, I think it's called. Yeah, something like that. My advice would be buy that, but don't install the DLC. Um, just play the the base game first, and then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just don't don't download the um, DLC because it does blend in perfectly. Like it it blends in like it was there all along. Um, it's not like, you know, it says, oh, there's a new piece of content, go here to play the new content. It's like yeah, it's blended yeah, yeah. in as if it was in the universe it's from day one. Um, uh. It's very well done. And I the think the likelihood of, even if you don't delete it, I think the likelihood of you finding it by accident is incredibly slim. Uh, I mean, talking about space here, space is very big. Um, so to find what you're looking for would be difficult. Um, unless you went to a very specific area and look at a very specific thing. At a very specific time, um, you really have to. The likelihood of anyone running into a box and is, I would be blown away by it. Honestly, <laughs> it took yeah. me a while to find it. Um, so yeah, you find it, uh, the thing, the the piece of content, and basically what makes us different from the Outer Worlds as a base game because that Worlds is like it's an entire solar system and it has all these planets, and all these planets there's information you can learn that you read through this translator. And it basically tells you the story, and through that translator, things get added to your ship logs. And basically, on each loop, you take that information you've learned, 
from your adventuring or discovery and try to build off that and piece things together and ultimately getting the the final answer and stories told to that as well um and the purpose of why you're caught in this loop and why it's happening and who created it and stuff like that yeah but um where was I going with that? Oh yeah, so that was basically just screaming whatever it was. So you go into this new area and it's completely different from the main game. It suddenly turns into a way more linear game. It turns right. into an adventure game and a horror game, which I was not All expecting. Right, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I won't get into details why or about the horror stuff, but a lot of the reviews that came out mentioned a lot of the horror elements that some people weren't keen on it um some people loved it the game actually gives you a warning saying some of these scenes can be really intense so you can go into the settings and turn down the intensity of the horror oh wow yeah and it's interesting but i won't won't get into that yet but basically you're in this area that's you basically do the same thing as you would in outer worlds you traverse through this area Whereas before it was like an entire solar system with all these planets, and you go into each planet and learn things upon it. In this area, it's a linear area. And the way they reveal it to you just blew my mind. Because you go into the area and you go to this lift type thing, and you push the button. So you're like the the button for the lift is like lower down. So you're like lower down, then you activate it, then the thing spins, then you drop down. And you're like kind of like disoriented by what happened because it's not what you expected to happen because. Mm-hmm. Everything you're seeing so far just doesn't look like anything from the main game. It's actually it was really uncomfortable at first because you're in this area, and like the architecture is completely different from what you're used to. The materials of the architecture is completely different. Like you immediately feel like you're in a place where you shouldn't be. That's clearly from a different species or a culture. It's completely different. It looked completely different from anything else in their worlds. It's its own unique thing. So you're like kind of mesmerized by that and actually going, what the hell is this? This is just, I was not expecting any of this. So you go to the left thing, you drop down, you're really disoriented by what happened because the left doesn't work the same way. It's not necessarily a lift. I won't, I won't say what it is. Uh, it's, not, it's not like the thing you're, uh, you activated isn't like anything you've discovered in the main game. And then you're just thrown into this new area. You think, oh shit, what the hell happened here? Then you turn around and look up and it's just... Uh, the, the, just incredible what I saw it's like, it absolutely like, like nothing else in the main game but my my actual reaction was like whoa when I first saw <laughs> it because I just was not expecting it uh, it was just amazing it's just so different from anything else in the main game and each planet in the main game is like really crazy it's like you got Giant's Deep which is like just this constant yeah. storm they've got uh, <clears throat> gosh what's the other ones I've God, this is my favorite game of all time. I can't remember the name of the planets. Uh, the <laughs> Ember Twins, whereas these two planets that um, one's made of sand and one is not. Basically, it functions as a giant hourglass. Um, you get Bramble, um, Dark Bramble, which is a really creepy planet. Um, you get a comet that goes around uh, in the solar system as well, which is weird. And you've got um, what else? something this other planet that appears and disappears sometimes you see it and sometimes you don't um 
I won't say what the name of that was called, the Quantum Moon it's called. Um, then you've got Brittle Hollow, which is this planet that's basically falling apart. Uh, and inside of it has a big black hole. Um, so you have to avoid that because it's like sucky in the own planet. So that each of those areas in that main game are all unique in their own way. And also you get the planet you start on, the Timber Heath one. So are closer to Earth, basically. Um, yeah. So you got all those planets there, their own unique thing. They all have their own unique systems and look and stuff like that. So I kind of went in expecting it to be like that. But it's not. It's just a completely different thing. I won't say what it is, but it's just it just looks nothing like anything else in the main game. And it really shocked me at first about what was happening. The way you traverse through the area is like nothing else in the main game. It's It feels like way more of an adventure game. You don't use your ship, that's what I'll say. You, the way you traverse in the game is... Uh. Uh, you get to, you get to the area by ship, but when you're in the area, you explore. You don't use your ship. because uh, the whole thing was that you jump, use your ship to go between different. You get a clue on one planet, then you take the ship back to the other. Yeah, one. So this is why it's linear because you're in this separate area, and you don't traverse using your ship. You use something else, and it's just amazing. Like it turns into a completely different game, and it's just mind blowing. Like, everything looks different. Like, all the architecture is different. Um. And just stuff like that. So I initially played a good chunk of that area. And I thought like it was one of those bloody error wells moments where you don't quite figure out everything straight away. So this was like late at night, it was like 2 in the morning. So I was like, okay, I've played this. Because my original plan was to jump into it straight away, but I decided to go back because I'm not sure if I mentioned this. I don't think I've ever mentioned it on the podcast, but I had to restart the game the base game to get an achievement so I lost all my ship logs but I decided a few days before to like go back and get some ship logs I thought would be important and turns out I was right I got the right ones but you can totally play this without playing the main game but I definitely wouldn't do that because you kind of lose something you gain a lot more by getting the right ship logs but um so I had this sort of typical outworlds moment where I was like exploring traversing through the, the area and I just came to a, a halt where I was like, I just don't know where to go. I don't know. I feel like I've looked at everything there is to see. What do I do? And I was like, okay, I'll do one more loop, and then I'm heading off to bed. And that one more loop, I found something. And I felt like an idiot because it was right in front of me the whole time. But I just didn't see it. Huh? Uh, I just started, as I was exploring down the area, I just sort of noticed this path off to the right. I thought, where does that go? Then it opened up this whole other area within the... Or not the whole other area, but the entire section, a different section of the area. Then I was up till like half five in the morning because of it. That was it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it grabbed me there. I thought, what is this? What's happening here? Um, it's just amazing. The way they tell the story in the DLC is completely different from the main game. I won't say how they tell it, but it's not what you're used to. And mm-hmm. it, this is where I thought the reviewers were overreacting a bit because they went on about all these horror elements. And so far, I was like, well, where's the horror? I don't see any horror. But there's these things that you can find. Um, don't want to say what they are. But there's these things that you can find that basically help tell the story of this area and you know, the, the people that were there. Um, and the music associated with that is really unsettling. 
Right. It actually made my stomach turn a bit when, because you're sort of looking what's happening, reading through the story, or looking through the story, and something happens and like the music changes, and it's like this really upsetting sound it plays, and like, oh god, like, you're seeing what's happening uh, to these people, or what these people are saying. Uh, and it's just really unsettling, so I thought, well, maybe that's the horror element they're talking about. But I was like, well, that's about the, the fact they went in so deep on the reviews about this horror stuff. It's like, well, surely this can't be it. But it was unsettling, to be fair, what they were doing. Um, but the way they were doing it is like, they showed you all this information, but they wasn't giving you all the information. So they were still had a lot of questions left answered. Um, so I thought, well, okay. So we're, we're well, I'm not sure where people are getting this horror element from. But then something happens in the game. And it just changes into a, just a different game. It turns into... Huh. A horror game where that's genuinely terrifying at times and really unsettling. Um, I won't say how that happens or why uh, the reason why that happens, but put, I'm not sure if you saw this, but I put up a, a a video on my Twitter of the the sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you listen to that one? I did. Yeah, it was just really. You can tell just from that. Uh, that it's just a really upsetting game. Uh, yeah. The horror elements. It's just, generally when I was sitting there, <laughs> like, through wherever it was, with my headphones on in the dark, I was just shit myself. Um, and from it's what funny because you don't think a game like The Outer Wilds would be that kind of game. I didn't. I had no idea going in it was going to do this. Um, it was just amazing. It was just a completely different experience. There was nothing like in the main game. And that's what I love about it is that it's a DLC I expected to just be more of our worlds and it is in a sense that you explore an area and you know get story and piece it together and find out the way to get to the end of the story. Yeah. But I was not expecting it to be told in the way it was told and the way it went. I honestly thought that the story and the DLC was way darker and way more tragic than the the base game story it was actually quite sad. Um, what happened and unsettling as well, and really interesting. I, I thought the way they told the story in that in the, I think actually the way the the, the storytelling elements of the DLC is, is actually better than the main game. Um, I think they took a lot of feedback on how because one of the things about our Wells is there's a lot of things to read, and the mm-hmm. and the log and the logs only take the useful information of like. Oh, this person mentioned this thing here on this planet. Maybe I should go to that area and that planet and find maybe find what they're talking about. But you don't really get the story through that. Um, so a lot of the time, when you do finish Outer Worlds, you think, well, if you don't find all the pieces of information, you're kind of left wondering, well, what happened? It depends how much you've looked or how you remember and piece things together in your own head. Um, but the way the story is told in this, it is much easier and is much easier to follow. And I think they took that feedback and changed the way that the story was told. Um, I guess, oh, I'm not sure. I guess I could say how it's told. It's not a major spoiler. I'll say, I'll just say it. It's not crazy. It's one of the first things you find. Basically, instead of you being told stories through transcriptions that you find, you translate, mm-hmm. left by this former race, you find these slideshows 
Right. And you go, you put these slideshows in this little machine and you cycle through the pictures. And it's basically telling you the story through that. And it's done really well because they, they blend... Because you can control the speed of the slideshow, the music dynamically changes to the speed that you're moving the slideshow. So when you see something happening in the slideshow, that the slideshow that's like kind of like, whoa, what's happening here? Like the music changes, and suddenly it feels like way more unsettling and stuff like that. And the way you get a greater sense of the story just through these slideshows rather than reading and trying to piece the story together in your head. So it's really easy to follow. Um, and by the end, like I felt like I had a really good grasp of what happened. And I never felt like I had to go and look out like online like a YouTube video to explain the ending like you had to with the original yeah. game. But in this game, I thought, well, I've really got what's going on here and it's really... Uh, really sad. Um, so I love the way they, they do the storytelling in this as well. It's just really good. Um, the music is amazing. The music, the one thing I thought was amazing that the music is tied to the theme of the area you're in. So the music right, sounds okay. the music sounds completely different. Like it's just got a different yeah, vibe yeah. to it. A different it's not a different genre. You still get the occasional bit of banjo there from the original game. The original game is more of like a woodsy sci-fi type thing. Whereas this one, it's more of a grand adventure feel to it, to the music. Like you're on a, a journey. Well, the original felt like that as well. It was just a different vibe you get from it. It's just, it sounds completely different from... Well, not completely different. It sounds very different from the the main game. And they actually remixed some of the... Sort of the main theme, the Traveler's theme, I think it's called. They sort of... I think in the soundtrack, they call it the Encore. And it's basically that area's version of that song. And it's just like a completely different, it's like in a completely different key with completely different instruments. Um, it's just really interesting how they changed the music for the area as well. It's just got a completely, well, it's got the adventure type music, then it's got the horror music. Uh, yeah. And that's when it gets really, well, that music from that Victoria video I talked about, well, that music is just, you're sitting in the dark in your room and just hearing, <clears throat> all this really loud unsettling music well oh what do I talk about <laughs> so just like you back like oh no yeah so uh, some of the complaints I saw on reddit because it was quite fun going on reddit and like discovering the game along with people playing it for the first time as well and I even left some helpful hints for some people but I left some like cryptic hints I didn't leave like I basically asked the person like, do you want to tell me outright or do you want me to just hint because the guy was saying I don't know I've done all this I've done all that but I just don't know where to go next. So the hint I gave was when you're what was this when you're traveling and shrouded in darkness, take a leap of faith. Which makes no sense to you. Uh, but it's one of those it's one of those things that when I said that to the guy, like, hmm, okay, that's interesting. Then he came back saying, Ah, I get it now, thank you. And then he discovered what it was. And it's one of those things where when I first saw it, the thing that was happening. I described through a vague hint. Um, I didn't think anything at first, but then it kept happening. I thought, right, this is really weird. But there's, I had to just sort of teach myself again that there's a reason things are happening in this game. They're not happening for no reason. Well, the developer wouldn't yeah. just add in this one thing as a fun little thing. There's a purpose for this, and everything has a purpose. Everything has, it's there for a reason, and it means something. So then I just kind of, this is one of the one things I really loved about this, was that I discovered some things a little bit early. Than I should have, but I never. But it made it way more exciting. Uh, I won't say what they are, but there's just like a f- there's one specific thing that 
doesn't completely change the game, but it makes it. What should I say? How do I say it? That would give it away. No, I won't say it. Was just no, like, don't something say I, that, mate. Yeah, I don't want to say anything. But it's basically something I discovered back because I was just messy around. Right? I was kind of stuck. I was like, I don't know where to go. I was like, oh, must be something. I'll try this, see what happens. And then something major happened. I thought, whoa, what the fuck is this? This completely changed the game again. And it helped a lot with the horror element. That's all I'll say. It made it. Because I was struggling with the horror elements, and I could see why a lot of the complaints are about the horror elements are in Reddit and some of the reviews. It is a bit hard. But it's, you're making it harder for yourself. If you like, explore a little bit more, there's ways to get around the difficult parts of that game. You just have to find it. But you may not find it until you go to a very specific area to discover the the, the way to dis- make it easier for yourself. I just happened yeah. to stumble across it by accident, which made it even cooler. I also just came across this other thing where because sometimes I'm I'm on a in a loop and I thought, well, there's still so much time to this loop left, but I've the time's passed for this thing that happens and I don't want to waste more time. I just want to focus on this one thing on this loop. So I'll end the loop early by like killing myself. So I killed myself and something weird happened. And I even recorded it and thought, I, was I imagining things? Like I'm sure I killed myself in this very specific way for this thing to happen and it didn't happen. Or something else happened. I thought, what does that mean? So I accidentally discovered something again where it changed the way I play the game to get through certain areas that I found difficult before. Um, so that was really awesome. It was just, it was just amazing. It, was like every, it just kept blowing me away and as everything was... Each discovery was a complete surprise and each discovery just changed the way you looked at the game completely. And managed, the fact they managed to do that again on a piece of DLC... It's unfair to call it just DLC. It's like a whole other game in that game. It's like a whole 15 hours. Mm-hmm. Over that three days I played it, like, I was up till four or five in the morning each night. I just could not stop playing it. As I just, I don't know what it is about those games, the, the sort of time loop type games where you learn info and go through a loop again and try different things, but they just really grabbed me in that. The game just grabbed me in a huge way. I just could not stop playing it. Um, yeah. It's really, really, really good. It's my... It's probably my. I'd probably say it's my game of the year. I think it's fair to give an expansion a game of the year. As it's happening anyway, yeah, whether people like so. it or not. Um, I, was, I just wasn't expecting it to be that way, the way it is. What else can I add? I don't want to say too much, but I think I've. I think you've done quite a good job considering it's not something you can really talk about. <laughs> yeah, like, I can't really talk about it. I think the slideshow thing is fair. Because um, the way the major the story is told through the game, the game is, is through those the, the logs that you find that people the people have written. And it's harder to grasp the story that way, but with the slideshow stuff, it's really, really good the way they do it. Um, and it makes it unsettling. So I finished it, and it kind of just ends. I thought, oh, <coughs> okay. But the way it ended, it was just so beautiful. I actually teared up a little bit. I don't know what it is with that game, it just makes me cry all the time. But uh, oh. so I teared up a little bit at the end. Uh, I thought that was a really sweet moment that happened there. That is probably sweeter than anything that happened in the main game and then the game just sort of ends the DLC just ends and I thought that's a bit of a weird way to end it so I thought I might try and experiment in the base game and see if anything's changed that's all I'll say, I won't say any more than that Uh, yeah it just blends in because for something that wasn't there originally in the main game 
they managed to blend in so beautifully to the story of the the base game with the story of the DLC and it just makes it just complements it beautifully it fits like a glove it's so good I just wasn't expecting it to be it's just so well written uh, it's just great I love it so much I was so happy with it <laughs> but I'm very <laughs> sad at the same time because uh, you won't get any more no but I've decided I've still got a bunch of achievements um, so I'm kind of doing the thing where I've, like, I'm just not going to get them so I can like say to myself well there's always more oh, to play gives me an excuse that. to go back gives me an excuse yeah. to go back occasionally so maybe every so often I'll go back and get an achievement just to give me an excuse to play it again I'd say that's fair enough yeah so I'm going to take my time with them over the next rest of my life but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, for it's, the it's, rest it's really of the time I really want people to try it out as a I didn't expect to love the game the base game as much as I did because I initially when I first played it I just thought Ugh. it was on game came up on game pass on May 2019 heard some murmurs about it I thought I'll throw it on I thought oh space exploration that sounds fun threw it on and like within 15 minutes I thought shit not playing it uh. then I heard a lot of murmurs towards the end of the year or November time uh, on the giant bomb cast and giant beast cast and they were really pushing it saying like, this is one of the greatest things I've ever played I thought there's clearly something to this game that I'm missing uh, so I followed the basic advice of get off the initial planet go to the little moon off the initial planet and then go to Giants Deep and the game will grab you from there and that's exactly what happened it just took me away so I highly recommend it for people who haven't bought it if you do buy it no, cause I, please. I've not played it myself so yeah I, I, I really like you to play it see what you think I'm, curious, I'm really curious what you'll think of it whether it'll grab you or not I know I've been meaning to like, I was kind of in the same boat oh excuse me um, I was kind of in the same boat I played it for about what 10 minutes got lost went no idea what I'm doing I'll come back to it switched it off and then it came off game pass um, and I've not well, I haven't picked it up since Um I'm just seeing it there. Um, so it's the Outer Wilds Archaeologist Edition. Ah, uh, right. That um, makes sense. Yeah. Um, so that's £33, and you get the base game and the DLC with it. Um, which is alright for £33. So the, the Echoes of the Eyes, £12, and then £20.99 for the... That this is on Xbox. Um, yeah, I think it's the same... Well... I think it varies by region and platform for some reason, uh, which is really weird. Uh, for some reason, I think PlayStation's a wee bit cheaper for some reason. Yeah, um, it's solid. it was on sale. It was on sale on the PlayStation. Um, I think it was like twelve or thirteen pounds. Uh, yeah, but wasn't on the Xbox. Um, I think it's worth. But if you only have a console and you happen to have both the Xbox and PlayStation, if you only have one of either, you each like just play it on the one you have. But in terms of the console versions, the main difference between when I played it on the One X, because it originally was only on Xbox when it first came out, is that the auto, the auto HDR looks really good in this game. Um, it adds a whole a, a whole new life to that game. It makes it look a lot better in the auto HDR. So if you have an Xbox and PlayStation, I would go for the Xbox version if you have a HDR TV, because um, mm-hmm. it does look a lot better. I really like it. It's still only 30 frames. A lot of people are complaining. It's not really a game you need 60 frames in, to be honest with you. Uh, it would be nice, but 
I think the 4K 30 that it has is, is perfectly fine for what you're doing in it. Um, the HDR is a really nice addition, so I would go for the the Xbox One. If you only got a PC, then obviously just play it on there. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's really really good. I am really happy with it, and very sad at the same time because I'll never get anything else. Thirty two pounds and ninety nine on the PlayStation. So it's like a pound fifty cheaper on PlayStation for weird reason. I wonder what that is. Uh, Maybe it's just like the way they take cuts and stuff. I'm not sure. Um, if you own a PC, twenty pounds and eighty-five pence for the Archaeologist edition. <laughs> well, if you care, if you don't like, care about achievements, then I would go for the PC version. But I, I do like getting those achievements <clears throat> or trophies. I know because I'm kind of like it could be the kind of thing you could just sit and play on PC quite just quite happily. Uh, it's a game you need to play on the TV in 4K. I know. See, it's a really, thing. it's a really good looking game. I don't have obviously a 4K PC. Um, yeah, I got my, my laptop. The 4K HDR is nice on the Xbox. It's really good. Plus, but that's the quick, a, quick resume is very handy. I bet. Um, but that's a good price, though, like twenty pounds for. Oh yeah, it's very good. The base game's eleven. Ten pound for is that the, on sale. It's on sale. Yeah. Ah right. I imagine I'll go back up eventually. But it will do. But for now, if you've got a PC, well worth. Yeah. Getting that one. So yeah, people, check it out. Check out Outer Wilds. Amazing game. I love it. I hope I did a a decent job of trying to explain that game without telling you anything about it. No, no, no. Very hard. Spoiler free. Yeah. No, I bet. I've come away spoiler free. Hopefully it's piqued your interest. There's a reason why everyone's raving about it. Yeah, okay. I, I knew, but yeah, I, I knew it was you know hugely popular as well. I just don't know why, which is obviously a good thing. That's the thing, because um, a lot of people are in that same boat where they hear all about it and go into it, and then they just don't like it because of the way you play the game because it just doesn't doesn't. There's no hand holding at all. Uh, no, it doesn't tell you anything when you start the game. You have to discover it for yourself, and a lot of people just can't handle that. Oh, there's I'm a, certainly curious. Yeah, I think a pot of. Polygon article that I read you saying there's a no spoiler explanation of why you should play their Wells DLC as soon as possible. The DLC is secretly a sequel as good and big as the original. And that's just the beginning. That is very big. Well, it wasn't... I guess there's a reason why it took two years to make, but... <clears throat> just in my head, for some reason, I just thought it would be a little thing, but... It is a sequel, basically. I'm pleased that we managed to get something like that for as, as, as long as it is. But yes... Buy our world. I will. I will. Good. I'll. I'll. I'll help you out by giving you cryptic hints. <laughs> cryptic hints. You have to set work out the hint rather than <laughs> be like, "What? Need to work this out and then work out in the game." I won't. I won't go over the, the riddle route. I'll just say, "Have a look here" or something like that. Uh-oh. It's just that specific guy in Reddit wanted a a, a little nudge. Yeah. I don't think there's anything else. I think that is it. For our worlds. Yeah. Well. There we go. That's us, Bill. I have one more thing to finish off. Oh. Say to keep it as a surprise. I like a surprise. We have our very first real listener email. 
Páču. Ja. Yes. <laughs> this, this is from oh. Philip. Schofield? Yes, he's come out on an email. Uh, <laughs> okay, that'd be amazing. I thought that'd be really funny. <laughs> hey guys, just caught episode two. Since you're asking for write-ins, I felt like I would go for it. Do one of y'all own a bird? Or a squeaky ceiling fan? Oh, right. <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah, it's me. <laughs> I kept hearing a tiny trap fan now, I have to know. So Billy has little, yeah. little birds. I have two budgies. To be fair, they don't really come through that loud. Uh, I, I occasionally hear them in the mic monitoring. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, really, it's honestly not that bad. Um, no. The RTX voice helps a lot. Um, yeah, they've been, that, that, they've been that, very that's, quiet tonight. That's good. I thought they perked up at one point. They uh, did, but even then, I could barely hear it. That's fine. Yeah, it was very quiet tonight. <laughs> that's, good. that's funny. <laughs> so it says here, stars of the show, indeed. What are the? Well, you can may as well tell them their names. How many do you have? Sky and, yeah, so I've got two: Sky and Orkney. Sky's blue. Orkney's yellow. Uh, Orkney likes to Isle. shag. Named after the Isles, yep. Uh, Orkney likes to shag his perch. It's a gentle way of putting it. That's maybe occasionally what you're hearing. I think Sky Um, originally thought was a female, didn't you? Originally, yeah. Um, But soon worked out. Because when we first got Sky, just above his nose was pink. Um, And then that turned blue over time. So when we when we got him, he was quite young. So he was a he was an adopted bird. Um, so he was quite young when we got him, um, and then his nose started to turn blue. And we're like, ah, a male. Um, and then Artney as well, uh, yellow, wee red eyes, um, hitting in the bum. He's probably mainly who you're hearing. No, not necessarily. Those guy perks up at night. He's a night bird. Um, Artney's just a. I'll I'll do what I want when I want, kind of bird. It's funny how they have like different personalities. Oh, it, it, it's unbelievable. Um, or at least, uh, sorry, Sky's kind of like a. I just kind of want I'll chill. At the moment, he's kind of like, you know, ch- he's resting on his wee stick just beside his bell. Um, looks like he's getting ready for a a sleep or to take the big jump and be like, I, I'm I, I'm I'm done. Cook me now. Um, I'm not actually gonna cook him. Um. But it looks like he's getting ready for a sleep, and then you've got Orkney, who I can't really see at the moment, but I think he might actually be doing the same. Guaranteed, though, as soon as you know we're like right bedtime, they're going to perk up and be like, yeah. that 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 that's what you're hearing. This guy and Orkney, so birdies. Yep. He also adds, also as a person who has missed missed all the PlayStation only titles, I am hyped that the titles are coming to PC, even as if it is eleven years later. I've heard so much yeah, stuff about the Uncharted series, but I haven't touched one yet. Uncharted series is very, very good. Yeah, uh, 100% the play Uncharted. I think, well, they're not releasing the collection, unfortunately, because there's a Uncharted Nathan uh, Drake collection. <clears throat> it's just four, I believe. Uh, Nathan Drake collection's three. Uh, one, two, and so, three. So, one, two, and three in the Nathan Drake collection, and then four is a standalone. Yeah. Oh, well, they're, they're releasing... Um, the collection they're releasing on PC is four, and the spinoff featuring oh, the, Chloe, um, um, uh, Lost Legacy, Lost Legacy. That's it. A uh, great little game, actually. 
Um, so you're saying you're how much money yet? So now is my chance. Anyone complaining needs to chill. I agree. I agree. Hundred percent agreed. It's like I don't get why people defend a platform or be like, right, that, that you know, like you know, when Days Gone, Days Gone, Days Gone <laughs> came to PC. I don't Burn. get tired now. Gone. Um, when Days Gone came to PC. And like obviously for our entertainment it was great, but people complaining that oh no this is a Sony exclusive blah blah blah, blah. it's like it needs to remain pure and on the Sony platform and it's like the more people that you can branch out to play your game or to play a game that you really like, the better. Exactly, and that's what um, he says here that game availability game availability is key to bringing new players into the ecosystem. A hundred percent agree, especially for Sony yeah, because. I mean, their main focus is these big triple A, three hundred million budget games. If you're only releasing that one platform, where you can look at the numbers on PS5. I mean, how many PS5s are there? Like ten million, but 10 only million. one point, only one point four million people bought Demon Souls. Yeah, I mean, that has a lot of people, but there are a whole millions more people out there on PC who are more than happy to spend that money on Demon Souls. Oh, you yeah. may as well recoup the costs. And that's why Sony are buying up these these uh, port studios. I can't remember the name of the studio they bought. It was in Spain, I think. There's this, this company that helped them port Horizon uh, and another game. Yeah, Days day Gone. So they're clearly that's where their investments lie, and they clearly saw how well it's working for Microsoft because Sony doesn't have a number one game on Steam type thing. Like, they don't have yeah. a Sea of Thieves where it always pops up on Steam or like a Forza Horizon, that kind of thing. Uh, so I'm glad they kind of got their act together with that because it does mean more money for them in the, in the long run. Exactly. And, the, you know, the more money that goes to them, goes to developers, chances again a second one increases. Though we heard the fate of Days Gone too, but <laughs> still. Um, now there's a publisher event on PlayStation at the moment on the uh, on Steam at the moment, so you've got Days Gone thirty one ninety nine, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn Complete Edition twenty three ninety nine, um, Predator, um, uh, people, the uh, Predator Hunting Ground seventeen forty nine. That's about it. Um, Hell Divers mm-hmm. as well for seven ninety nine, but obviously, like you know, Days Gone and Horizon, you know, those two really good games, um. You know, I said that there's like 14,000 user reviews for Days Gone and 44,000 for Horizon, so that's like an extra you know, you know, 44,000 people have bought that game. Minimum. Not including those who haven't left reviews. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's good. That means that that's more money. Uh, but who, it was Gorilla that made Horizon. Yeah. Um, you know, it goes go straight to them, so it goes to Sony, goes to Gorilla, and then they could be like, right, okay, that's more money that we can, you know, blast into the next Horizon game. You see what um, um, Thingy's doing as well? Um, and this is where I, I thought Sony would be when they bought Gaikai. But what Microsoft's doing now, where you can stream Series X games on the Xbox One. Oh, on the Xbox One. And yeah. on PC and on your phone. It just opens up. I mean, obviously it's not the best way to play. I'd rather play it like natively on a on a platform. Um, but that exists. Yeah, the fact that it exists that you can just roll up your load up your phone or your 
your Xbox One and try out games that aren't available uh, on your Skyrim platform yet. on the go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, That's the thieves on the bus. Exactly. I think one of the features coming is you can play a game, stream a game before it finishes downloading. I think that's coming soon. Uh, so see, that's, that, that's quite good. Yeah. But stuff like that is really really cool. And it, Philip says here, it's crazy to think that some people think that console locking titles is good for gamers. Because it definitely isn't. There's just people that have this tribal mindset, I guess, of, you know, I don't want to share... Yeah. The, the games that are on their platform, they wanted to keep it for themselves. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's quite sad, really. Missing no, it, like, when people are talking about, like, oh, you know, like, you know, you're seeing that like, the Xbox, you know, the Xbox fanboys going out, coming out, being like, oh, you know, Elder Scrolls 6 is going to be an Xbox exclusive. Yeah. It's like, you know, like, imagine if, like, you know, they do a turnaround and be like, hey, Elder Scrolls 6 is coming to PlayStation as well. You're hardly going to sit there and be like, Oh, oh no. the, the Xbox fanboys definitely will. Because it's the, what, the thing will. is, it's, it's the one thing they have over PlayStation, because for so long, through the worst Xbox generation ever, the Xbox One generation, for so long they were just beaten. Just completely. Yeah. And Sony just absolutely. <laughs> and I, yeah, <laughs> annihilated. I don't think uh, Xbox will ever recover from that. No. Um, that's why they I mean, bought Bethesda for seven point four billion. Yeah, <laughs> they needed exactly. to. They <laughs> need something. The one, yeah, and it's the one thing that the fanboys have, and it's a pretty fucking big thing to be fair. Like having an entire Elder Scrolls game. It's Star uh, Starfield. Like that's next. Then this time huge. next year is going to be absolutely insane. Yeah, it's going to be a big year for Xbox next year, and they haven't had that in a long time because they just made the wrong decisions at the start of the Xbox One generation. And that's, that's one podcast we'll have to do at one point of uh, maybe on the anniversary of the Xbox One or something, like just discuss the Xbox One as a platform. Because, uh, yeah, it was, it was an interesting time, that thing. But, uh, oh yes, there's more to the email. Oh. Uh, also, good coverage of the PlayStation news, but some feedback here. Oh. I want to hear more experience-based chat. Like with Final Fantasy Thirteen, I just started playing it myself and felt the mood. You talked about logging into an RPG that you had your old save. I love that stuff. Imagine the different person you were back then when you were playing that uh... save file. Imagine returning to an old Skyrim character that you spent 40 plus hours on. Or, I thought this was a good one, because we actually have this. Or an old co-op Minecraft server that is now abandoned that you used to play on. I think that, that actually <laughs> yeah, happened. That's, that's and, a good one. Yeah, because uh, That did happen. I we think. had the one that we actually dug into a wall, um, and then we wrote BNS on it. <laughs> that we actually re- did remember. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. The one so we, we had really celebrating our degrees. Yeah. And, oh no, that was it. We wrote BSC on it. That was it. Because um, yeah, so we dug right into the wall. Um, we built that house, and then we're like, well, "What we'll do is that we'll dig into the wall, and then we had like BSC, kind of like a Mount Rushmore type thing." <laughs> <laughs> you really watched Mount Rushmore? It's absolutely massive. It was huge. Yeah, we spent days on that, and it was like this big, massive pit underneath of just like built-in cave systems or like dug-out cave systems. Do you know just what? I actually downloaded. I think it was just bored one night, and I downloaded the 360 version of Minecraft on the, the Xbox, or was it? The oh God, really? <laughs> I think it was when I loaded up my 360 randomly just to try it out. Yeah, it was a 360. It was like, I'm going to try a game on this, and I want to download a small game. 
so I downloaded Minecraft and it still has those saves. Oh, is it still there? It's still there. <laughs> the BSC sign is still there. Exactly. The giant lives on. behind our tiny little wooden house. <laughs> lives on. <laughs> they live on forever. So good. But even also, like, you know, go, you know, going back to that Final Fantasy thirteen story then, um, like loading it up and there's still that save. Like, I still remember playing that. I was in my old house and, you know, the Mairns when I played that. Um, so Final Fantasy thirteen came out. I bought the Xbox copy and the guide from a game station. That's right, um, I forgot about and, that. And that was in Inverness. Um, picked them up, came back to came back because like you know my family lives up there. Came back down to Glasgow, and then played Final Fantasy Thirteen on the Xbox um, on an old CRT TV. Um, <laughs> that was before you had your HD one. That, that, that's just, this was before I even had a HD TV. I played it on a, like a 14-inch CRT TV. Um, and now it's like so many years down the line, I'm loading it up on an Xbox Series S on a 49-inch HDR TV. And 4K um, HDR. And, for, and 4K HDR. Um, so the last time I would have seen that that particular game save would have been on a non-HD TV. It would have been on a CRT TV. That's crazy. Uh, just, just like that that's actually that's a good point actually raising that like you know going back down to the last time that you played that I, I didn't actually think about even mentioning that yeah um, never really even crossed my mind until now to be honest but I'll think of think I'll think of that a bit differently down the line um, definitely but yeah no that that that, that, that Final Fantasy 13 save was last played on a, on a on a standard definition TV and I'm actually wondering now what that would have looked like at the time it would have been it still would have been like oh you know this this looks good yeah. Just because the game itself looks good, well, now if you load it up, you'd be like, oh, "Whoa, whoa, this is a bit. This doesn't look all that great." <laughs> but still remember, that's, that's a good point. Still remember that night you first got you know, the, I think was it Christmas Day where we played uh, Battlefield Bad Company Two. <laughs> you first got your HD TV and you first saw yes. Battlefield Bad Company uh, Two in HD. HD like your first HD blown, game. <laughs> mind blown, like whoa. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, that that was amazing. Um, back, oh god, back on three two. Yeah, because that game looked back in the day. That game was stunning. That, that, that looked yeah, really, really good, really shiny. Really just really the, the level of destruction the, as well. Yeah, and there hasn't been a Battlefield game since that really captured that as well. I think it was the Vietnam no, that, expansion we were playing. It was the, the Vietnam. Time. I remember yeah. it. I remember it clearly. I remember that night well. Uh, yeah, you first discovered that enemies have a health bar. Because <laughs> yeah, I couldn't see, see them there. before. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. I was like, "Well, they've got a health bar." <laughs> like, wait, what? I thought it was really funny. You didn't know about it. it. Yeah, I remember you saying. I remember you saying. Uh, said to me, "I was like, oh, remember, remember you? Oh, uh, getting numbers mixed up here." You all said that you heard me talking about the health bar, but you couldn't see it. But you just never mentioned it to me, so you just kept <laughs> quiet about it. <laughs> so I don't know what you're talking about. I'm, just gonna, <laughs> I'm not going to look like an idiot here. I'm just going to be like, "Yes, yes." You're talking about a health bar. Just keep yes. quiet. Yes, spot on about that health bar. Yes. Was, was a, to be fair, it was a very small health bar. It was absolutely tiny. It was tiny, and then I saw an HD TV, and I was like, "Well, that's a game changer." It really was, yeah. You could actually see how many shots they left to kill them. But, uh, yeah, that was cool. I suppose we could do that for Skyrim. We talk about that day when we first picked up Skyrim. That was a unique day. Yeah, yeah. That was a unique day. Talk about our... <clears throat> I think this was the day before. We can talk about the lead-up to buying it or our amazing presentation at university. 
<laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yep. So we'll talk about that when uh, Skyrim comes out. Did bring back the old nostalgia, the good days. Actually, speaking of 4K, just briefly, uh, if you're part of the beta ring on the Xbox Insider, uh, the dashboard is now in 4K. Uh, I'm not on the it looks, Insider app downloaded. It looks really good. Really sharp. <clears throat> the game art looks really nice. I'm just finally happy they've got the 4K dashboard now, because before it was just the 1080p and it looked a bit blurry. And I mm. sit fairly close to my TV, and it's 55 inches. So I always saw that it was the little halos around the text. It just looked a bit grimy. But now it's like super pin sharp, and it looks really nice. Um, so if anyone out there wanted to try a 4K dashboard. And it works in-game as well. We're in-game, it's still 4K. So they must have done some kind of magic to keep it in 4K, because before their excuse was it would take up too much memory away from games. So they must have... Must have found a way something. to press it down. Yeah. yeah. It looks really good. And I was quite pleased with it. So now it's on the same level as the PS5. Because the PS5 UI, as, as much as I dislike it, it does look nice in the 4K and HDR. Uh, with the cover art and stuff. So I like seeing the cover art in HD and 4K. Anyway, well, that is us. Oh, well. There we go. I think nice we've covered a lot. to the podcast. Yeah, I agree. Hope our friends in the MI5 enjoyed it. Yep. Hope our friends in Sao Tome and Principe enjoyed it. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Our friends in Bristol. Westminster. <laughs> Dallas. Okay. <laughs> I'm assuming you're from Dallas, Phelps, since you said y'all, so you're, I'm assuming that's you. Uh, Port Washington. New York. All our fans. Mm. The thousands of you. <laughs> the <laughs> thousands. <laughs> People keep listening, uh, I don't know why, but thank you. It does mean a lot, actually. Nope. The five of you that listen, thank you. I probably would have given up by now if we weren't getting any lessons, but we're coming for the total download of 100 people. 100 oh, unique good. lessons. There you go. And we're only a month in. Awesome. Yeah, going well. That is. Anyway, Bill. That is us. And who are we? Tired. The Gave Nuts. And we're tired. <laughs> <laughs> Next week we actually may have a guest. It depends on uh, how it works out. Hopefully, hopefully it does. I, I'd like to have him on. Uh, he says he wanted to explain why Doom Eternal is the <laughs> best the game best, ever made. The best. <laughs> and oh. talk about Halo Infinite and No Time to Die. Uh, so those are the things I wanted to discuss. Hopefully, I don't know what's going to happen with that, but hopefully it does happen. That'd be quite cool. Because I think next week will be quite light on stuff anyway, so. Indeed. I'll probably just be playing Alan Wake. Alan Cake. Alan Cake, yep. Jiva Cage. Right, Bill, uh, that is us. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. Thank you. Bye bye. bye.